And hello, Las Vegas. That was Travis Cottrell with Jesus Saves, a message our world needs every day and seemingly maybe even more this week, right? I'm Crystal Heath. You're listening to The Frittle Show slash Drive Time with Frittle. Not sure which direction this is going to go today. Depends on how long I talk. Uh, it may just turn into a show. We'll see. Uh, you're listening to 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church. Join us tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, for our final Wednesday night explosion. Next week, Awana begins. Get your kids registered. Join us for uh, Bible study tomorrow night as well. I think Pastor Berkey is preaching tomorrow evening, so that is always exciting. Um, and I'm just going to leave it at that. You should just You should just come out and experience it. All right, so I I said yesterday that we would talk about this either today or on Thursday, and I've decided to talk about it today because it's just, there's there's so much with this, and it's moments like this that I have a a, a real love-hate relationship with being on radio because I love that I have the opportunity to address things like this and to talk about them and to maybe present a perspective and help people think about various situations but at the same time I I I don't like it because there's just this huge responsibility to say the right thing and to help people think through situations like this and I take it pretty seriously and as I've been preparing here this morning leading up to our our live show if you're listening uh and in our 7 a.m pacific time hour I've nearly broken down twice just sitting here getting ready, looking at the stories that I'm going to share with you today because it just it just upsets me so much. And I, I'm going to start with an article from Russell Moore. He's a pastor and he has put into words in the Washington Post exactly, exactly what I have been feeling about this whole situation that has uh, come about in Charlottesville over the past weekend. And I am appalled and sickened by what we saw there and greatly disturbed by the fact that this is being portrayed as somehow uh, Christian or um, conservative or Republican and we'll, we'll We'll get more into this, but let me just say right now that it is not in any way Christian, conservative, Republican, American. You pick anything that's good, and racism is not that. But I think that the best analysis that I've read of the situation is Russell Moore has this piece in the Washington Post and I'm just I'm going to read it to you and then we're going to talk about it headline white supremacy angers Jesus but does it anger his church as we watch the televised images of the noxious violent white nationalist protests in Charlottesville this week many of us felt our blood pressures rise many of us were and are angry many of us have for some time have been for some time about the resurgence of white supremacy and anti-Semitism we see all over the world. And by the way, this is Russell Moore in the Washington Post. I'm not going to read the entire article. I would encourage you, however, to go check out the whole thing. It's white supremacy angers Jesus, but does it anger his church? I'm just going to hit on some of the highlights here, and then we're going to discuss it. 
In a time like this, Christians might ask whether we should, in fact, be angry. Should we not instead just conclude that this is what a fallen world is like and pray for the final judgment to come? If you are feeling distressed and heated, you have reason to be. White supremacy makes Jesus angry. One of the many remarkable things about the picture we get of Jesus in the Gospels is how relatively calm he is. When his disciples are panicking in a life-threatening storm, Jesus is asleep. When villages reject the message, the apostles are angered, but Jesus is not. Threatened with arrest and even execution, Jesus meets his accusers with tranquility. The scriptures, however, show us two things that make Jesus visibly angry. Religious hypocrisy and racial supremacist ideology. Jesus spoke gently with those on the outside of the people of God, even those deep in sin. But of those who claimed the name of God, he was sharp and direct. Jesus called the religious leaders hypocrites, blind guides, and whitewashed tombs full of the bones of the dead. That's far from the kind, subdued way by which he spoke to the woman at the well or the tax collectors and prostitutes. Likewise, we see perhaps the most angry picture of Jesus in his earthly ministry at the temple when he took up a whip of cords and drove the sellers out of the holy place. Why was Jesus so angered? After all, the money changers were there to do a service for those offering sacrifice. He told us why. He said, It is not written, my, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. The passage that Jesus cites is from the prophet Isaiah's vision of the day when the foreigners, or those of all nations, will be brought into the people of God. Let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord say, The Lord will surely exclude me from his people, Isaiah said, and let no eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. In some way, those who clamored for space in the temple courts were blocking the way. Oh, sorry. Hang on. My computer froze here. No, come back. Uh... Uh, in some way, those who clamored for space in the temple courts were blocking the way of those God had welcomed into his house of prayer. Jesus reclaimed the space for the God who desires all tongues and tribes and nations to worship him through Jesus Christ. The religious leaders and those keeping the worshiping of God from the nations had something in common. Both were seeking to keep people away from the kingdom of God. People they didn't feel were worthy of it. This is important for us right now. Again, I'm not there's I'm leaving out bits and pieces of his article because I want you to go and read it yourself. It's in the Washington Post, Russell Moore. But he said this is important for us right now because many of those advocating for white supremacy claim to do so in the name of Jesus Christ. Some of them speak of Christendom, by which they mean white European cultural domination, not Christianity. But many others are members of churches bearing the name of Jesus Christ, and nothing could be further from the gospel. Blood and soil ethic, eth, ethnic nationalism is not just a deviant social movement. It is the same old idolatry of the flesh, the human being seeking to deify his own flesh and blood as God. White supremacy exalts the creature over the creator, and the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against it. This sort of ethnic nationalism and racial superiority ought to matter to every Christian. After all, we are not our own, but are part of a church, a church made up of all nations, all ethnicities. And the church should call the church should call white supremacy what it is. Terrorism. But more than terrorism, white supremacy is Satanism. 
Even worse, white supremacy is a devil worship that often pretends that it is speaking for God. White supremacy angers Jesus of Nazareth. The question is, does it anger his church? That's Russell Moore in the Washington Post with a really good piece. Again, I left out some chunks of it because it's a pretty lengthy uh, article, but you should go and check it out. It's in the Washington Post, Russell Moore. White supremacy angers Jesus, but does it anger his church? And as I thought about that this morning in the last few days, I I, I realized that, yeah, I, I, I'm very angry about this. You know, I see pictures of people marching with Nazi flags and with Confederate flags and I, I've wondered, is it sheer hatred? Or are they just that ignorant that they don't understand? The Nazi flag in particular? What that symbolizes? And the hate? And the murder? I... My family history is vast and varied, as most American mutts, if you will, that's what I call myself, are. My grandfather was born in Germany. My grandfather was nearly killed by an American plane that was flying over fields shooting at soldiers. Nazi soldiers as they were running away and my grandfather was running and he was nearly killed along with his mother. On the other side of my family I have relatives who fought in the in World War II on the Allied side. My great great I think it's it's either five or six greats grandfather fought for the Union Army during the Civil War. I believe he was a corporal. He was with uh, the state of New York. He was with their troops. And fun fact, over 23,000 men from New York were at the Battle of Gettysburg, the second largest contingent of any state, north or south. They made up one quarter of the Army of the Potomac. They lost 6,700 men at Gettysburg. The largest total of any state from either side. New York's troops were just decimated at Gettysburg. And my great, great, so on, grandfather, his regiment was based, was at Gettysburg, but was based so far away from the fighting. We went and we saw the monument from where his regiment was stationed. They were basically held in the rear in case things come this way. And they never did. And because of those things and other things in my family's past, I, I, I think it's just given me a fascination with and love for history. And I've studied many things and I, I realize that really it's a miracle that I even exist on the planet. If you knew where my ancestors have been and how they've almost died in in wars and fighting causes that are now being glorified I it's heartbreaking to me
But I also understand the very, very real evil of Nazism. My grandfather watched his community change hands from German to Russians to Poles back to Germans. He saw the evil firsthand that was Nazism. He lived under it. His family fled from it. And I... When I see people marching with Nazi flags, it hurts me that not only would people somehow think that that was okay, but that they would do so and say they were doing it in the name of Christendom, in the name of Christ. Because nothing could be further from the truth, nothing could be further from the message of Jesus than Nazism. And so with every fiber of my being, I denounce and reject every alt-right person, movement, whatever it is that you want to call it, that thinks that this is even remotely okay because it is not. So we've we've seen that, and we've seen the president, the vice president. We've seen men and women from all walks of life denounce and renounce what's happening, or what has happened, rather, in Charlottesville. And then last night we saw as a mob tore down a Confederate statue. And as I watched that happen, I I have many different thoughts on that. But let me start with this. Robert E. Lee, though he fought on what would be the wrong side of history, I would encourage you to take a look at his life and why he said he fought. He, he fought solely for Virginia is what he said. You can choose to reject or accept that. But he so did not want the country to continue to be divided following the Civil War that he stood in starch opposition to erecting any monuments on the battlefield where Southern soldiers under his command had fought against the Union. And he said this. He said, I think it wiser not to keep open the sores of war, but to follow the examples of those nations who endeavored to obliterate the, re- the marks of civil strife and to commit to oblivion the feelings that it engendered. He never wanted statues or monuments of himself or anyone else. He didn't want the South memorialized. But it was. And while I don't think that we need monuments to remember our history, I also know that tearing down a monument doesn't change history. And that those who do try to rewrite history, that those who try to whitewash history to make it match what they want, end up in a worse state than they were before. 
By the way, that's exactly what the Nazis did. Book burnings? Look it up. They didn't want you to read history. They didn't want you to know what had happened in the past. Because those who don't learn from the past are doomed to repeat it. I'm not saying that that we should be immortalizing individuals that are on statues necessarily anywhere, regardless, but particularly of the Confederacy. But what I am saying is that tearing down monuments and attempting to erase history, one, doesn't actually change history, and two, is a very dangerous, very slippery slope. Because if we start saying, oh, well, we're going to tear down all of these monuments because uh, they're offensive to us, then my question becomes... Who determines which monuments are not offensive? Because quite frankly, you could go around and you could find offensive things about individuals that pretty much every monument we have. I'm telling you, the Washington Monument, if you want to, if you want to take this as far as it could go, I mean, look, George Washington owned slaves. Thomas Jefferson owned slaves. Are we going to tear down their monuments in Washington, D.C. or elsewhere? When we start trying to make our history clean and make it so that it's just about the things that we like, well, history is very rarely only about the things that we like. And if we take out these elements, then we then we can't learn from them. I mean, we can learn from them, but I, I, I just I worry about it. Again, I don't think that we need them to understand our history, but I just think that we may be taking a step down a slope that we don't want to go. You know, former Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice was on Fox and Friends yesterday morning to talk about her latest book, which is called Democracy, Stories from the Long Road of Freedom. And uh, Brian Kilmeade, he's a co-host on that show, he asked her this. He said, as an African-American woman, do you see yourself in the American Constitution? Do you think that when we look at nine of our first 12 presidents as slave owners, should we start taking their statues down and say, we are embarrassed by you? Connelise replied this. She said, quote, I am a firm believer in keep your history before you. So I don't actually want to rename things that were named for slave owners. I want us to have to look at those names and realize what they did and be able to tell our kids what they did and for them to have a sense of their own history. She said, when you start wiping out your history, sanitizing your history to make yourself feel better, that's a bad thing. And then she she went on a little, she gave a little history lesson. She talked about how her ancestors were originally counted as three-fifths of a man, how her dad was was had a great difficulty when he tried to register to vote in 1952 because they lived in Birmingham, Alabama. And she said, but you know where that led to? 2005, I stood in the State Department and was what administered the oath of office as uh, um, by a Jewish woman, Supreme Court Justice, and that is a story of America. She said that George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and other slave owners were people of their times. This is what Condoleezza Rice said. And she said, what we should celebrate is from the Jeffersons and the Washingtons as slave owners, look at where we are now. Whitewashing our history doesn't change it. It might make us feel better, but it's a bad thing. That's what Condoleezza Rice said. And I think it's something worth considering and worth thinking about now. 
back to Charlottesville, though. Um, an aspect of this that the president was greatly ridiculed for, um, because his original statement talked about the many sides that were in conflict, and the only side that the media cared to talk about was the alt-right. So before I get into this, let me just say one more time. The alt-right is not correct. The alt-right was wrong to parade around with Nazi flags. I am opposed to the alt-right in general. Racism in any form is evil and wrong. Racism is not a representation of Christianity. It is not a representation of conservatism. It is not a representation of our country. I want to make sure that I <laughs> very, very clearly explain this before I move on to this next point. Because it's a little bit of a sensitive one. But what the alt-right did in carrying around the Nazi flags and, and parading and shouting and fighting and killing, that we can call that terrorism. That is domestic terrorism, and we should call it that. We should denounce it for what it is. Racist hatred, terrorism. We need to do that, and I do agree with that completely. That we denounce it, not obviously what they were doing. And I don't see how anyone who names the name of Christ, or who has any understanding of actual Christianity, could endorse this. Because the Bible teaches that men are created in God's image. It doesn't say that this color of men is created in God's image, but this color is not. John 3.16 is, For God so loved the fill-in-the-blank color skin people. No, it says, For God so loved the world. God created every human being regardless of skin color. And God loves every human being regardless of skin color. And that is what we as Christians also are called to do. And quite frankly, it's just decent humanity on top of it. So the alt-right was wrong. The alt-right is wrong. I will call this domestic terrorism. But... We've learned that it was not only the alt-right. It was indeed an alt-right rally. That is without question. And again, I just spent the last almost 20 minutes denouncing them and explaining uh, various reasons why they are wrong. Completely, 100% irrevocably wrong. Racism is wrong. Period. That said, the alt-right was not the only one involved in this incident. The Charlottesville police chief said there were mutually combating individuals in the crowd. We now know that the, that Antifa, which is basically uh, the left-wing version of the alt-right, was uh, essentially what was happening is we were having a little, a little war, really, between the alt-right and Antifa, which was going down at Charlottesville. Now, Antifa, you may not be familiar with because the media doesn't talk about them as much, but they are what we would consider the alt-left. And by the way, CNN has declared that the alt-left is a made-up term and there is no alt-left, except Antifa is. So you have the alt-right, which is right-wing violent extremists. The alt-left is left-wing violent extremists. Under that heading, we can put Antifa, which by the way is stands for anti-fascists. 
They label themselves as anti-fascist. We can put Occupy Wall Street under there. I believe we could even put BLM under there. Look, I mean, I'm saying, yes, we should talk about the evil that is parading around with Nazi signs and flags and uh, carrying your little tiki torches and looking like little wimps of men carrying your, your flags from defeated causes that are evil and yelling and throwing a little tantrum and just being hateful. And we should talk about that and we should denounce it and reject it. But we must also not forget that there is things happening on the other side as well. I'm not saying that one justifies the other by any means whatsoever. But I'm saying that hate is running rampant in our country from every direction. So, what we've learned is that this is what was going on. It was alt-right and alt-left in Charlottesville. Now, we need to be very careful, though, with that. Because Antifa, in this instance, was opposing individuals who were carrying Nazi flags. So... There is that to consider. I mean, it's hard to think that that would be in any way bad, right? I mean, somebody's pro somebody's opposing those that are presenting hate and parading as Nazi supporters. Antifa, however, I would encourage you to look them up. Because they also are active. Because the hate that we saw in Charlottesville is not happening simply in Charlottesville. We've seen a variety of uh, just so many things. I can't even go over them right now. I, I can't remember a time in my life ever when racial tensions were like this. But, I mean, we've seen uh, just last week. I, uh, and I, it's, it's horrible because when you try to present a balance on something like this, you almost can't because I am... I am white, and therefore I am allowed to talk about white alt-right extremists. But if I attempt to mention anything else that may have happened, then I become racist, and it's as if I don't understand the gravity of the situation. I do. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that this incident in Charlottesville was horrific and horrible. I'm also saying that racism in all directions is happening around our country right now and it needs to come to an end. Again, this is not, I'm not saying that this in any way justifies what happened because I've seen news personality after news personality that dares to mention that hatred is rampant in our country and doesn't just only focus on the fact that some little punks were carrying around Nazi flags and being hateful and how wrong that is. If you dare to talk about anything beyond that, then you're racist and you're deflecting the issue. I'm not deflecting the issue. I'm saying this is reflective of the actual issue. Which is people thinking that hate can drive out hate. But as Martin Luther King said, hate doesn't drive out hate. Darkness doesn't drive out darkness. Only love can do that. Only light can do that. And so we're going about this all wrong. And it's, it's happening now on all sides and on all sides it's wrong. Yes, there is an alt-right that is violent and needs to be denounced and rejected. And yes, there is an alt-left which is violent and needs to be denounced and rejected. I mean, you, if you don't remember Occupy Wall Street, go look it up. If you've forgotten 
that a man tried to gun down congressional members solely because of their political affiliation, you should go look that up. If you've forgotten that we had rioting and looting and people destroying other individuals' homes and livelihoods and businesses, you should go look that up. This is the place that we're at. We're not rallying peacefully anymore. It doesn't matter which side you're on or which acronym you fall under. The violence and hatred is following all sides everywhere in our country right now. And we need to talk about them all. We need to denounce them all. I have been so heartened to see the overwhelming rejection of the alt-right and the overwhelming uh, denunciation of what went down in Charlottesville by those who would be white or by those who would be considered on the right or possibly both. I have seen time and time and time again where that has been denounced by pastors, by leaders, by actors, comedians. And I love that we are rejecting this. I love that we are taking a stand against it. And yeah, there are a couple stupid people out there that aren't. But if you look hard enough, you can find stupid people in any cause. And if you're letting the couple people skew your view of the whole, that's probably not healthy. Because overwhelmingly, what went down in Charlottesville has been rejected by our society. And I think that that is a fantastic thing. And I hope that this rejection of Charlottesville and the incident there will bleed over into other issues that are happening in our country right now. I'm hoping that we will learn from this and that now anytime anything that is inspired by this just this this hatred for one another that will stand up and say no regardless of who it's coming from alt right alt left anywhere in between. But you know I turned on the news actually I didn't even turn on the news it just happened to be on I was watching Actually, I wasn't even watching anything. My TV was on. I had gone outside um, to clean my pool. I came back in, and whatever had been on before had changed into the news. And what I heard from the newscaster was, quite frankly, that I, me, personally, Crystal, am a racist Nazi because I'm a white millennial. There was no distinction whatsoever. It was... White millennials are just as racist as their ancestors, and what happened in Charlottesville proved it. Anyone who voted uh, for Donald Trump or any Republican in the last 20 years is racist and evil. Anyone who's a conservative or who identifies with Jesus Christ is racist. I mean, this, and this was not a guest that was on this program. This was a straight-up network newscaster that was basically telling me that I'm a Nazi. And this is, uh, this is the danger that we face right now. Well, there are many, but we're so divided. And by we, I mean our culture. By we, I mean the mainstream media. 
that we can't even see the difference between individuals. That we're now grouping people again by their skin color. Which is just amazing to me. I, I don't understand why we would do this. I don't understand why you would assume. And I don't know if it's because I grew up uh, in the Northeast and my parents raised us in a godly home. I don't, maybe I'm just ignorant of how the rest of the world is, but to me, this was never an issue. To me, I, I never saw skin color. I never even thought about it. I mean, we grew up being told that all men are created equal. I mean, the, the, and that all men and women are made in the image of God. Doesn't matter what color your skin is. Jesus wasn't white. Jesus wasn't black. Jesus was Middle Eastern. Skin color doesn't matter. God made you regardless. Maybe we should all get back to Martin Luther King's dream that instead of just assuming things about people because of their skin color, that we instead judge them on the content of their character. It's time that we relearn as a culture how to be colorblind. But what I do find interesting is that we have relegated personal belief and personal character to a lower totem pole, that we've mocked those who have standards and convictions, and we've cried that there are no moral absolutes and that there is no God and that we don't want that taught in our school system. And then we stand back, our culture, and we look around and we say, what happened? Why is it that, I mean, how did we get back to a point where people are fighting and with Nazi flags in America? How did we reach this point? Do they not know? Do they not understand what this means? And I believe the answer to that question is no, they really don't. Because one, we have rejected God. We've said we're not going to talk about that. We're not going to have religion because, you know, believing that all men are created in the image of God is somehow going to forever damage your child. No, maybe, maybe if we actually taught truth, we wouldn't be having the issues that we're having right now in America today. Maybe if our kids were taught in school that all men are created in the image of God and that every life is of value and worth to God. Maybe if we didn't sit around and say, oh, well, you, what had happened was there was just this big explosion and really it's all accidental and we don't really know where you came from except that this goo turned into this little amphibian and then the amphibian grew and eventually it turned into a monkey and that monkey became you. Do you see the difference? Do you see how maybe that might make an impact on what people think? I believe that it does. And secondly, 
think, are other issues that we've attempted to whitewash history in the past. And so many of our young people don't even, I really believe this, I don't think they even know. Do you know how many Holocaust deniers there are in America today? Do you know how many people legitimately believe that the Holocaust never even happened? One is too many. We don't want to talk about the stuff we don't like. We don't want to have to look at their pictures or their monuments and say, this is what happened here, and this is what we can learn from it. And to me, I, I just... I'm so saddened by the fact that this is a conversation that we're even having. Because we should be past this. We should be better than this. But because we are a fallen human race, because we have rejected truth and rejected God, because we have attempted to whitewash our history, I believe that is why we're seeing this happen in America today. And it is my hope and my prayer that we can and we will move past this. And that regardless of, of where or how racism rears its ugly head, that we will denounce it and reject it every, every single time that it is brought up. Because racism is not the gospel. And it is, it's shocking to me that this is how it's being presented and that some are even perpetrating this myth in the media. That these are Christians. And I know that they're not. How do I know that they're not? Because Jesus said, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, by your love for one another. So if you claim to follow Christ, Jesus said, By this, by this, shall all men know that you are my disciples. Not by a flag that you carry. Not by a cross around your neck. No, by this shall all men know. All men know that you are my disciples. By your love for one another. So let's demonstrate Jesus. Let's demonstrate the love of Christ to this hurting, hurting world today. This next story, I, uh, I didn't really, even while the song was going on, I was like, I don't want to do this story. I don't want to do this story. I want to do something fun and lighthearted. I just spent over half an hour straight on, on heavy stuff, but, uh, we're just, we're going to do it today because speaking of Nazism, there is real Nazi barbarity happening in the world today. And when we close our eyes to things like this, and when we make pretend that it's okay, we <sighs> CBS News has an article. Actually, they posted it yesterday, and it just was so incredibly appalling and disturbing to me. It, it, it blows my mind 
that we are having a conversation about Charlottesville, which we should be, but that we're not having the conversation about what I'm about to tell you. Because what I'm about to tell you is absolutely evil and is far, far worse, far, far worse than what happened in Charlottesville. And here's the headline. The headline is, what kind of society do you want to live in? Inside the country where Down syndrome is disappearing. Now, just based on the headline, you would think, oh, wow, they found some, uh, some cure for the extra chromosome. That's not it at all. Let me read to you just a part of this, this piece. With the rise of prenatal screening tests across Europe and the United States, the number of babies born with Down syndrome has significantly decreased, but few countries have come as close to eradicating Down syndrome births as Iceland. Since prenatal screening tests were introduced in Iceland in the early 2000s, the vast majority of women, close to 100%, who received a positive test for Down syndrome terminated their pregnancy. While the tests are optional, the government states that all expectant mothers must be informed about availability of screening tests, which reveal the likelihood of a child being born with Down syndrome. Around 80 to 85 percent of pregnant women choose to take the prenatal screening test. Using an, um, I'm going to skip down a little bit. Other countries, they say, aren't lagging too far behind in Down syndrome termination rates. According to the most recent data available, the United States has an estimated termination rate for Down syndrome of 67%. In France, it's 77%. And in Denmark, 98%. The law in Iceland permits abortion after 16 weeks if the fetus has a deformity and Down syndrome is included in this category. With a population of around 330,000, Iceland has on average just one or two children born with Down syndrome per year, sometimes after their parents received inaccurate test results. By contrast, in the United States, according to the National Down Syndrome Society, about 6,000 babies with, are born with Down syndrome each year. Babies with Down syndrome are still being born in Iceland, said Hulda Hajator head of the prenatal diagnosis unit at Landisbotty University Hospital, where around 70% of Icelandic children are born. Some of them were low risk in our screening tests, so we didn't find them in our screening. I, 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 and this article goes on and on. I, the reason that Down syndrome is disappearing in Iceland is because they are killing, they are murdering children. They are testing to see what they consider to be a deformity. And if they find it, they are killing off these kids. In Denmark, 98% of... Babies in the womb that have Down syndrome are killed, are murdered, because God made them with an extra chromosome. 98%. In Iceland, one child a year is born with Down syndrome, and the 
head of the prenatal diagnosis unit basically acts as if, oh, well, the reason they exist on the planet is because our screening was faulty. If we had known that they were going to have Down syndrome, they wouldn't have been born. This is evil in our time. This is real-life, modern-day Nazism happening in a Western society, and not just a Western society, in, in all across Europe. This is going on. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be concerned about what's happening in Charlottesville. We should be. I spent over half an hour talking about that issue at the beginning of this show. But if you're concerned about what's happening in Charlottesville, then you better... You better be really passionate about what's happening in Denmark and Iceland and France where we are killing off children because they have Down syndrome, where we are selectively eliminating people. We can talk about racism and its effect in the United States. We can talk about race in Charlottesville. We can talk about why carrying around Nazi flags is bad. And we did. But if you really want to talk about Nazism, then let's look at where it's actually happening. These are Nazi tactics that are being used and encouraged and glorified on our news networks. This is CBS News in America. Headline, inside the country where Down syndrome is disappearing. Let's fix that headline. Inside the country that is specifically targeting and eliminating children that they don't think are worthy of life. That they don't think are going to be productive members of society. Tell me how that is not Joseph Goebbels-esque. Tell me. Tell me why this is okay. And don't say, oh, because it's just a clump of cells and so the cell has it. No, no, no. It is not just a clump of cells. Science tells us that that is a child. I don't care what anybody else says. I don't care about feminists who say it's my body. No, it's not your body. It's a baby. It's the baby's body. This cannot happen in our world. This cannot be something that we don't know or that we don't talk about because it's an inconvenient truth. We can't be so obsessed with with people carrying Nazi flags. And I'm again, I I'm not saying that that's not a big deal. I spent the entire first half of the show and more talking about that. But if you're outraged that someone is carrying a Nazi flag and you're not outraged that there is selective killing and murdering of children based on a chromosome you don't understand what Nazism is Nazism isn't a flag Nazism is about thinking that I am superior to someone else So if you want to talk about Nazism, let's have that conversation. Let's talk about these innocent lives that are being destroyed systematically for no reason other than the fact that they have a chromosome abnormality.
Let's talk about the fact that many people born with Down syndrome live full, healthy lives. That they live to an average of 60 years old. That they are some of the nicest people on the planet. That their capacity for love is so great. And what does our world do? Our world says, we don't, uh, we can't deal with this. So we're just going to make it go away. It's tragic. And it's happening in our world today. And if you've said anything at all about what's happened in Charlottesville, but you're not talking about what's happening with children with Down syndrome, I think maybe we've missed something. I'm going to be sharing this article on my Facebook and Twitter at The Frittle. I would encourage you to do the same. I would encourage you to stand up. To speak out. Against real evil in this world today. I'm, and again, I'll upload the podcast. You can go hear my whole rant and rampage. It wasn't as much of a rampage as this one was. Because this I'm extremely passionate about. But we talked about what happened in Charlottesville. Let's talk about what else is happening. Let's have real conversations. Let's stand up for those that Jesus would stand up for. And let's not forget that the way we show Christ to the world, Jesus said, is by our love for one another. So let's speak for those without a voice. Let's talk for those who are never going to have the chance. And let's show the world that we are Christians by our love. You're listening to 101.1 FM, Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church here in Las Vegas. Join us. Our midweek service is Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. Our address, 6501 West Lake Mead Boulevard. Things begin at 7 p.m. If you can't be here in person, you can stream us online at experienceliberty.com or visit our Facebook page at Liberty Baptist Church of Las Vegas, and you can watch the Facebook Live stream there. Hope you and your family have a wonderful, blessed day, and we'll see you back here tomorrow for Drive Time with Friddle.